Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. Powered by Together Credit Union. Empowering you to achieve your financial goals. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, and Jamie Rivers. It is a Friday in St. Louis. Jamie, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. How you doing? Wait, long weekend, right? Uh, no. Yes, it is. Well, not for me. Because I have to work on Monday. Why? Because we are, so I guess a peek behind the curtain, but normally when we have a live broadcast, uh, you have to have somebody back here at the station to run the board to make sure that the person that's broadcasting live is able to be heard. We have a lot of board ops and uh, none of them can work on Monday. Isn't that convenient? So, uh, so... I am working on Monday. I'm doing the board work because Liv, our brand new afternoon host, is going to be out 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 there at Shine Down. She's going to interview Brent and and Zach, and then interview Jelly Roll. Uh, so I got to kind of man the controls back hmm. here at the radio station. That seems like it would be a great uh, task for a I don't know a college student who's in broadcasting school. A hundred percent. And we have lots of those, but for whatever reason, we ain't getting them on Monday, right? Wow. Donnie. So um, so got to do that on Monday. But the way that this kind of selfishly works out for me. Is that because I'm working on the holiday, boss is given, you know, another day off. So I'm going to take off the day after Pearl Jam, which is September the 18th. So I'm going to take off that Monday the 19th because I got a feeling I'm not going to be feeling like coming to work that day. Where's Pearl Jam playing? Enterprise Center. Oh, baby. And this thing has been... Am I your date? I'm sorry, now? Am I your date? No, man, I'm sorry. What the hell, Donnie? Well, you know what's kind of crazy about that is that through our entire relationship... You know, Mary and I have been together for like almost 15 years, and she has always given me crap because she loves Nirvana more than Pearl Jam. She was a Nirvana person, and I was a Pearl Jam person. Uh And so, like, throughout the course of our existence, we've gone back and forth about this. And so I would always be like, yeah, you keep making fun of them. You'll never freaking see them with me. Well, after some years, and, you know, she being a little bit nice to me, uh, I said, you know what? I really just want you to see why they are my favorite band, why I love them so much, why I have seen them so many times. And so uh, she's going to go with me. And the good part about that, too, is is Mary knows 
the way to make me drink at things like that. Because I get so into the show that I don't notice that I'm six vodka cranberries down mm. and I'm all of a sudden a dancing in the aisle. You there know you what go. I mean? And she just has a way of just kind of you know, sliding one in or, you know what I mean? Just like something yeah. like that. So uh, it's going to be a really good time. Now, did you guys ever probably didn't get a chance to see Nirvana, right? No. Yeah. No, I didn't get a chance to Darnie, see them. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. It's probably not going to happen. You, probably not. Stop it. <laughs> and what's so crazy is like I have I have come around on that band a lot. I love Nirvana. Like I but like David Grohl's an awesome dude, by the way. I spent a night with him in Nashville a number of years ago. Uh Jim Zumwalt. You've ever met a rock and roll attorney? Anyways, he operates out of Nashville and we had mutual friends and David Grohl ended up at the same dinner table as me at Jim Zumwalt's house. And what a great dude. Yeah. Yeah, we had a blast. We we you know partied. Not terribly hard because we you know, played the next day. <clears throat> Got to be in shape, <laughs> but it was fun. He was a real interesting dude, really nice dude. Um, you know, was asking me a whole bunch of like hockey questions, and of course, I'm asking him music questions, yeah. Cobain questions, like all this stuff, man. Yeah, it was a great night, and, and Zami was just sitting there. He was loving it because Jim Zumwalt, he's a huge hockey fan. And obviously a rock and roll attorney, so he was like, this is, this is awesome. <laughs> Best of both worlds. Yeah, it was a great night. You know what's so crazy? And I'm going to bring this up to you because neither one of us have any answers. I've got just the same answer that, that you do at this point. But uh, tomorrow is the first of two Taylor Hawkins tribute shows that are happening. The first is in London, and then in three weeks they'll be in L.A. and playing the Forum. And, you know, one of the things that music nerds like myself have been wondering since the unfortunate passing of Taylor Hawkins is honestly the future of the Foo Fighters. Oh, yeah. And if you are Dave Grohl, and you lost Kurt Cobain the way that you did, and then you lost Taylor, who was, by all accounts, your best friend. Now, you know... And I, one of the best drummers in the industry. Period. Period. Now, I understand at the time that you were kind of separated from Kurt a bit because of the drug issues that he had and those sorts of things, but that's still your bandmate and your homie. But it seems like he was even closer to Taylor. And I wonder, man, I wonder if the Foo Fighters are going to play after these tribute shows. Um, Dave Grohl will always do music. Those guys will always do something musically, obviously. But I just wonder if Taylor was such a huge part of what they do, if they want to do it without him in the band. So maybe they do this, Donnie. Okay, because Nirvana ended when Kurt Cobain died. Mm -hmm. Now, the members of Nirvana moved on. Mm Mm-hmm. And in fact, we're all a part of the Foo Fighters at one point. No, that's not true. That's not true? Chris was never a part of the Foos. Okay. No, he's he's like done little hits with them. But yeah, Pat, okay. Pat did join. Pat Smear did. Absolutely. Yeah. And then so Dave. I'm thinking maybe the Foo Fighters are over after these. But then maybe they move on to a new band again. So almost like the, the transition from Nirvana to Foo Fighters to what they will be next. Yeah. I just wonder, man. Because it almost feels like you can't be the Foo Fighters anymore. Maybe you can because your lead singer is kind of the identity of the band always. Right. right. I mean, you get some guitarists like Angus Young and things like that. Like you get some guys that are definitely shredders and, and, and the co-star still, kind of thing. But still never the main feature. Yeah. Like Axl Rose is always the main star where Slash will always be the co-star. I like, I, I love you. I, I, you know, I mean, I love Keith Richards with all of my heart, but he's not Mick Jagger. Not Mick Jagger <laughs> you right? know what I mean? So I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. Um, I just want them to get back playing, man. Yeah. Just like anything else. You just hate for people to sit there and not perform and not do things. Get back playing, get back into the groove because you know that Taylor, like that was his passion. Yeah. Right. So, 
get back to doing what he would like you to do. I got to tell you, and I don't think I've ever told you this before, but like uh, the very first time that the Foo Fighters came to St. Louis, uh, my brother and manager that I worked for at the time waited outside of Mississippi Nights for nine hours so that we could be, nice. yeah, man, so that oh we could be God, one, two, and three in the building. So we were. We went to the stage. The we Foo went, Fighters played oh, Mississippi Nights? So listen, but that's not even it. Listen okay, to this, right. okay? So we get in first. We wait all day, all right? And um, we go all the way to the left-hand side of the stage because we had heard rumors that Eddie Vedder was showing up at these gigs because his wife's band, Hovercraft, was the first of the three bands. So, of course, we're going to do this. So we get to the Nights. We get in. We're, oh, we're positioned all the way to the left-hand side left of the stage where, where, the you can, where you can see out that back That's door. That's right. Yeah. All right? <laughs> so at some point, we're sitting there, and we see this guy in a green army jacket and an oversized wig come in. And it was Eddie. And so he played drums for Hovercraft that night. The Foo Fighters were the second band on the bill. They were supporting Mike Watt, who was like a punk rock legend, was in uh, the Minutemen, and uh, did some other things. So these guys were just out touring with him. And so we saw that night the very first Foo Fighter performance in St. Louis, and they were obviously incredible. Eddie Vedder was there that night at Mississippi Nights. There was a point during the Foo Fighters set that me and my brother – are right at the line to where if you step over the line, the bouncers are going to crush you. you out. Yes. Yes. So, and we look over and Eddie has this eight millimeter camera and he's filming the foos, but then he starts filming the crowd. So my brother and I <laughs> cheese it up and start waving at it. So somewhere on eight millimeter film, somewhere in Eddie Vedder's life is me and my goofy brother just waving. But like, you know, man, it was one of those things that night. The thing that about it to me that is still so remarkable, even more so than seeing those people, was that none of us had any idea what to expect. We didn't know. It's just the drummer from Nirvana. This guy could suck. We got no idea. And they get yeah. three songs in, and this guy in the very back of the room goes, Holy ish, you guys effing rock. And like the whole room just goes up. It was just like all of us standing there with our jaws kind of open. They hit they hit us in the face with a frying pan. Boy, they sure did. I mean, they sure did. I agree. I remember their first album. I was hooked. Yeah. I was like, this stuff is good. Just so fantastic. And obviously, you know, you're in the music industry. I've got a lot of friends in the industry. And everybody still, every time we had a discussion about it, I was like, man, those guys can shred it. Yeah. And Taylor being on the drums and David Grohl and just like. It was an awesome, awesome thing. Yeah, and that's why, you know, like, when you, when you, when I think about it even further, you know, I go, you know what, man, I can imagine not wanting to do that if your boy wasn't there with you Yeah, anymore. but I, I can You got to do something. You got to continue to do something, so why not either stick with the Foo Fighters or just make a new band? Yeah. Who cares? Make a new band and yeah. move on. David Grohl has all the rights to all that crap anyway, so if he wants to go back and revisit it and do some greatest hits album or whatever, it's just more money for him. Yeah. So move on, build a new band. It's not like he doesn't have the finances or the support from the industry to do it. Hey, uh, did you get your green room passes the other night? <laughs> for <laughs> for whatever the country guy was? Yeah, Morgan Wallen. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I, so actually, Holly and I, okay, so here's- oh I, saw, oh, I saw your picture with Holly. So here's a funny story. All right. Okay. Um, I was not going to this concert. I mean, I'm not a huge country guy, uh, but ended up, you know, uh, through Marty- Marty Brooks down here at WIL pulled some strings last minute. So I owe Marty, I owe Marty two tickets to a Blackhawks game here in town because, you know, he didn't ask, he didn't tell me. Tommy's the one who said, Hey, I've got you two tickets thanks to Marty. And so he gets us two tickets, two green room tickets. And so we're at this show. And let me tell you something. First guy that went on there was Hardy. 
Never heard of him. Mm-mm. Looked at him. Goofy, kind of looking dude. He's incredible. He reminds me of a off-brand Kid Rock. Okay. <laughs> Which seems about right for that show. Yeah. yeah. And he killed it, man. I, I So much so that I downloaded his album following it, and I'm like, this guy is awesome. Mm-hmm. So we went out and watched that for a little bit. My girlfriend and I went mm-hmm. out and watched it for a little bit. Then we go back to the VIP area. Which I didn't have access to, but the guy who was working the thing said, Hey, Jamie, you want to come in with all your buddies? And I'm like, My buddies? I'm like, What the hell? Who's in there? He's like, Oh, all the guys are back there. So I'm like, Okay, just play like, Okay, yeah. fine. I walk in. Matthew Kachuk, Brady Kachuk, Robert Thomas, Pat Maroon are all sitting there. Oh, boy. As well as some other local hockey guys that I knew. Yeah. And so was the hockey boys. <laughs> and so we're sitting there, and you know, the, the beers are flowing. Yep. And then all of a sudden, I get a text from Brett Hull. Are you here? Yeah, some guy said you're here. I'm like, okay. Like, where are you? He's like, I, back and forth. I, at this point, I was in the green room. He's like, where are you at? I'm like, in the green room. And Holly goes, I'm sending somebody for you. Oh. I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, it ends up being his wife, Darcy, who's an incredible person. And then Brett is in tow. So they just made their way over to the green room. And we sat in there, had a few, and then we all had the same pit passes. So we go down to the pit to watch the show. And as we're standing right there, it's all of us. It's Pat Marone, it's Brady, it's Matthew, it's Robert Thomas, it's Holly, it's me. It's like, it turned into a hockey party. Wow, that's fantastic. And so we're sitting there and he had, he put on a fantastic show. Nothing but great reviews for me. I love, I love everything that night. But it was funny because at one point we kind of... You know, we're all talking, we're laughing, we're joking. And like some of us, our backs are to the stage at this point. And we're like our own little world within this concert that's yeah. happening. It was it was one of the best nights that we ever had. I mean, we left there and my girlfriend and I were laughing like, oh my God, what are the odds of all this? And then Holly and I ended up going backstage after um, because, you know, he's Brett Hull. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that carries any weight around here, but whatever. And we had a few more um, pops yeah. Until a few uh, hours in the morning. And uh, <laughs> the next day was a tough one. Next day was a 10 a.m. soccer game for my daughter in like the 100 degree heat. Oh. Yep. But it was worth it, Donnie. Yeah. Sometimes, man. Every bit of it. Sometimes, man. You just, you got to earn that good time sometimes. Yeah, I was fine. You got to pay the. Jimmy Roberts used to say that. It was, you know, uh, the original Blue, the very first St. Louis Blues player picked in the expansion draft, assistant coach, coached me for a long time. We were in the minors. We would go out, and Jimmy knew we were out, and we were in Worcester, Massachusetts. Like, it's not hard to find out where all your guys are going out. <laughs> and so the next day on the Sunday morning, we'd get out there, and practice would be just terrible. Terrible. And Jimmy would start skating us. And then he'd skate up beside us and act like he was in a wheelchair and, like, doing his hand. And be like, come on, Rivers, too slow. And then he'd go, if you want to dance, you got to pay the fiddler. That was his line. So if you want to party, yeah. you got to work hard the next day. I never forgot it. I was like, you know what? If you want to dance, you got to pay the fiddler. Dude, that's so amazing. You know what's really interesting to me is is listening to you talk about any of your favorite coaches or any of the great coaches that you have worked with and worked for, played for, whatever. It just feels like what makes them good is sort of like the humanity behind them to kind of see the sports side, the person side. You know what I'm saying? Like it, yep. it feels like the ones that you talk about with that sort of warmth, 
definitely were trying to bust your ass to make you a better player, but literally legitimately cared about Jamie Rivers, the human being, too. That's where I feel like the most successful coaches are. Mm-hmm. Okay, now the argument can be made like, look, Vince Lombardi was a hard ass way back when with the Green Bay Packers, and you work your way through, and every generation has that guy who was terribly successful and was not a great person. Mm-hmm. Bill Belichick, he might be a great person at the barbecue, at the football field, he is the boss, yeah. and that's it. So, but that being said, if you look at the majority of coaches that are successful. In all sports, they get it. Yeah. They get it. They're like, okay, how do I connect with this particular individual? When am I supposed to kick him in the pants? And when am I when am I supposed to pat him on the back? Yeah. And so for me, when I tell these stories, it's it's an individual or a coach that knew it, that figured it out. Figured out the percentage of when to kick and when to pat. Yeah. Type thing. Well, and Jimmy was one of those guys, man. I was reading that article in The Athletic about Ryan O'Reilly's dad. It is a fascinating read, first and foremost. And I think what struck me about reading that article was, to me, it feels like some of the things that Mr. O'Reilly is talking about would be things that sort of like tough guy hockey guys would not be down for whatsoever. So how, besides having Ryan O'Reilly as your son, but, but like, how do you get in the door with sort of that balanced sort of philosophy and not that yeah. old school hockey mentality of tough, 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 tough? Well, you have several guys that can beat the drum for you, right? And so Ryan O'Reilly's dad works with a lot of NHLers as more of a strategy slash life coach mm-hmm. type thing in the hockey world. So it's not like he's out there just life coaching it. No, it's, it's everything is surrounding hockey. Mm-hmm. And so that's how you get out there and do it. It's very quiet. Not a lot of people know about it. You know, obviously, Mr. O'Reilly, uh, he's not doing it to catapult himself to stardom or to riches. You know, he doesn't need to. Or that's just not his thing. Maybe just to his core, it's trying to create a better environment for certain players. Mm-hmm. And I, I've listened to him speak and I've read the things. And I think 85% of it is bang on. Mm-hmm. I think there's still the old school in me. Mm-hmm. You still have to have the kick in the pants. Yeah. At some point. I like, would think It can't that... all just be, hey, let's talk. Sure. Hey, this is a group thing. Hey, we can work it out. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, let's find. No, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's you're dead wrong. I'm the freaking boss. Get to work. Yeah. You're dragging ass. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's okay. It's okay. So my my coaching philosophy for me is when I deal with well, any co- any skaters. So whether it's the NHL guys that I work with or it's the five-year-old that hits the ice, you get rewarded for effort mm-hmm. and you get kicked in the pants for lack of it. That's it. Pay attention. Work hard. That's all I care about. Yeah. That's all, if you're sitting there and you're not paying attention, well, guess what that's going to translate to? It's going to translate. You're doing it wrong at some point. When you're doing it wrong, you won't be able to do it at max effort because you don't really know what the hell you're doing. Right? So that's when I'm going to jump your ass. That's when I'm going to jump your ass and be like, no, that ain't working. So for me, it's paying attention and then executing with effort. Well, and one the of rest the rest th- take care of itself. Yeah, well, the, one of the things, too, that Mr. O'Reilly had said that you have said multiple times since you have been in here and, and we've been talking hockey is when you're sitting down with a player, it's not just the bad, 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 bad. Oh, God, it's, it can't it, be. It, it's got to be 
you know, it, it cannot just be focused solely on that negative all the time. And I mean, and that also just makes a whole lot of sense. I feel like both things can still exist. Well, hundred percent. Well, can you imagine? So right now, if we have people who are listening to the podcast and they're not athletes, not everybody is fine. So think of your workspace, whatever business you're part of or run or work for. If you have a boss that just continuously comes in and tells you about how bad you're doing, how motivated are you going to be after a while? Yeah. And then what's the morale of the group going to be? Because you know you're not the only one. Yeah, right? man. So He's you know a that bunch everybody's dragging their lip around the office or around the station, let's say, or your workplace, Walmart, whatever it is you work at. Everybody looks completely defeated. Why? Because they've never been told they're doing a good job. Yeah. All they ever hear is when they're doing it bad. And so when you're coaching, for me, it's balance, right? And in fact, sometimes I err on the side of being more positive. So instead of a 50-50 balance, I'll go like a 70-30 mm-hmm. to where I bring up the things on purpose, even if it's something that's so minute, that's mm-hmm. so irrelevant to the game. But it's hey, still a positive. Hey, great job getting the puck over the blue line there. Great job chipping it by the D-man. That's what we need from you. Mm-hmm. Boom. So, But then when they do it wrong, and then when I come down, I'm like, that's unacceptable. Guess what? You have a ton of respect from your player then because like this guy tells me all the time. Mm-hmm. So if I screwed up, I must have screwed up or, hey, I need to pull my head out of my you-know-what at this point. So that's my coaching style is lots of energy, lots of positive reinforcement. And then when it goes wrong and it's like I have a – I always tell my players, I have a yellow card internally. I watch you, you get a yellow card internally. Then I see it again, bam, you get the red card. Uh-huh. That's it. So you can't make the same mistake twice because I know then that you're either not getting it or not paying attention. How do you deal – with kickback from players because there has to be that player that maybe having a little sneer at the coach is kind of part of his thing. You know, how do you, because that's a delicate balance there obviously too, because he's got to have a good place. He's got to be a team player too. The way I coach, I get very little kickback Mm -hmm. because the moment I get kickback, I'm like, really? All I tell you is how good you're playing. I give you one thing. No, you can't be coached. You're uncoachable, right? That's what you're telling me. Well, no. Okay, then do it. That's it. Yeah. We're done. And I just keep the feet moving. There's no conversation here. Boy, that's so fascinating. (laughs) It's just so interesting to me. Not only you having this knowledge, but then again, having people learn from it and take to it. And it's just, you know, because uh, truthfully, this is so fascinating to me because when I was growing up and I started playing baseball, I was a pretty good little baseball player. But at that time... All of our coaches, man, like it was crazy. It's like, brutal. I know. Dude, they would scream. I mean, we were like in like in fourth, fifth grade, and we yeah. were getting screamed at when we were messing up a um a, um like a relay or not hitting the cutoff man or something. So then you get scared to make a mistake. Which guess what happens then? You make more mistakes. A hundred percent. I know. And so, like hearing you talk about it actually gives me hope to know that there are kids out there that are being coached the right way. You know what I mean? That they're being watched after their human side, too, and not yep. just the athletic side of it, man. Well, it has to be that way. And I remember growing up, and uh, I'll, I'll never forget this, and I was probably like six or seven years old, is my mom told me one time, uh, something happened, I forget exactly, but the, the very word she said is, you always need to appreciate the good before you criticize the bad. Mm-hmm. And that kind of stuck with me my whole life. And so now when you have kids, you know, like... They paint you a beautiful picture, right? Like something that they that they put. But then you look over their shoulder and there's paint all over the floor or something. Appreciate the picture. Yeah. 
Hey, that was awesome. It's so great. What did you paint here? And then, okay, hey, let's let it dry. Let's go clean up over here now. Okay, let's not try to do that in the future. So appreciate the good before you quit. So same in sports, same in business. Like I'm a business owner. Yeah. Uh, I will identify the good things if they're made in an effort. Like if there's mistakes that are made along the way for someone trying to do something the right way, I can handle that. Yeah. We can go correct the mistakes. If the intention is good, I can correct the mistake, the execution Mm -hmm. of it. And so that's kind of how I run my business. It's kind of how I coach my teams is – Talk about the good first, and then let's go fix the bad. Yeah, I got to. In wrapping this up, I got a. I got a proud papa moment here. I I cannot wait to get out of work today. I cannot wait. Uh, so you know this. Uh, you know we've talked about it in passing, but uh, my daughter is a freshman in high school. She's in marching band, and tonight is their first halftime performance. Oh boy, brother, I am. St- <laughs> like, are you nervous? I am. Yeah, man, a hundred percent. And and I said this on the air too. Whomever is working at that school tonight, they need to bring out all of the marching band dad T-shirts, hats, hoodies, sweatshirts. Ring them up. Yeah, I'm buying every single goddamn one of them, man. <laughs> I'm I am so unbelievably proud of her because, man, like they started their summer practice in like early July. Yeah, they don't mess around. Seven a.m. Mm-hmm. They were doing all day things, and my daughter did not complain one friggin' time. That's awesome. And I am just so unbelievably proud of her. Like, and also, too, I was thinking about it. It's the first time I've ever gone to a football game and not given a crap about the football game itself. You don't care at all. <laughs> so my daughter, too, um, she used to be on the dance team at her high school, and we used to go to every friggin' football game, and we didn't care. She yeah. danced on the sideline, and then at halftime, they went out and they did a show. Mm-hmm. And then after halftime, we'd go home. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm not, a... I don't care about the game. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if the kids got to stay to the end of the game. Well, the dance team did because they had the second half. They'd still have to do things on the yeah. sidelines. And if there was a break or whatever. I don't know about the market. I don't know. I guess I probably shouldn't be worried about getting out of there early or anything. No. I just get hungry after a while. Enjoy the all. moment, Doc. Yeah. No, we shall. I'm so excited, dude. I'm happy. Like, I can't now. wait. Like, I'm interviewing... Uh, um, uh, Josh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm interviewing t- uh, Taylor from 21 Pilots uh, here in, in like 45 minutes, and I've been trying to prepare for that. And like every every like question ends up going into some kind of weird marching band thing. And ask head. him for advice. Well, you know, it's ask we, him. Say, hey, my daughter's got a marching band thing. You know, you ever play in band? Well, what's the, what? Here's one. Here's how I'm going to lead off the interview. So she has a marching band competition next Saturday, which is the night of the show. So. I'm picking, I mean, the show starts at eight. I'm picking her up from the competition at eight 15 and we're hauling ass to enterprise center so we can see the show. So one of the things I'm going to ask him is, Hey, um, you know, we're friends and friendly. You think you can delay everything about 15 minutes so we you don't miss anything? Rain delay. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> what, what, what can we do? You know, somebody forgot their microphone, yeah, so, something, something, some, something, you know, but, uh, it's just, uh, you know, man, with, with all of the stuff that, 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 that has been happening the last few weeks, like, and feeling so low with everything with Jeff, like having these moments with the kiddos, man, where you can just be in that moment. And I just can't wait for it, man. I'm awesome. That's awesome. I'm happy for you. I can't wait. And Best I'm going to luck to her. I'm going to be an obnoxious dad cheering my ass off tonight. As you should be. All right. Well, uh, the next last minute blues podcast, we might talk about more hockey. We'll see. Maybe. Nah, we don't make any promises. <laughs> For Jeff Burton, uh, Jamie Rivers, and Donnie Fandango, it's the Last Minute Blues Podcast. As always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Powered by Together Credit Union. Empowering you to achieve your financial goals. 
Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.